Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On May 3, 2002, at around 7.40 a.m., seven-year-old Alexis Patterson and her stepfather, Laron Bourgeois, walked to her school at Highmount Community School in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. When Alexis didn't come home at her usual time, her mother, Ayanna Patterson, rushed to her school only to find out that Alexis was marked absent and never made it to school that day. Alexis was never seen or heard from again. Fourteen years later after her disappearance, a man from Bryan, Ohio came forward to say that his ex-wife, Lisa, may be Alexis Patterson. Once this information got back to Ayana, it led her to believe that she may have found her missing daughter. With the lead being this strong, Milwaukee police does not believe this to be true. Ayana has a different output on this lead. This is the Missing Found Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Harlow. Before we get into the case, I have a few details to share about the show. The Missing Found is a true crime podcast focusing mainly on unsolved missing person cases in the Black community. The cases that I cover have either gone cold, have little to no media coverage, or have gone without conclusion. You can follow the show on Instagram at The Missing Found or on Medium at The Missing Found to read our script. I also would like to mention that we have a case suggestion form in the show notes or description box that you can complete to submit your case suggestions that are of the Black and Missing. I ask that you please like, share, and subscribe and comment to share your thoughts on this case. This is case episode four, The Disappearance of Alexis Patterson.
One event can cause total transformation. Throughout life, we've all had experiences, some good and some bad. The reality of it is, one experience can totally transform our lives. Whether that experience can change it for the good or change it for the bad. Sometimes we walk into our own fate, even when the warning signs were so prevalent. With that, it's a part of life. Every experience we can learn and grow from. We gain the experience, pick up and move on. It's that easy, right? Well, not all experiences you can just pick up and move on from. Today we're discussing the mysterious disappearance of seven-year-old little Alexis Patterson from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Alexis was walking to school with her stepfather, Laurent Bourgeois, and vanished without a trace. How does a child that is being accompanied by an adult go missing, with only a half block away from the school? Exactly 242 steps away from her front door, and a walk that was taken quite often to attend school and leave school at dismissal. Like with all of our case analyses, we will go into the details of the case, the new findings, the fast facts that I will present that supports the case, and public theories, and of course, my opinion. We will conclude with details on how you can help bring Alexis home. So where's Alexis? Alexis Patterson was born on April 4, 1995, to Ayanna Patterson and Kenya Campbell. While Alexis was still very young, her parents decided to part ways. Later, Ayanna met Laurent Bourgeois and they married soon after. Alexis lived full-time with both her mom and stepfather in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on the 2200 block of North 49th Street. The home that they once resided in is now a vacant plot of land, with still the surrounding home still up. Alexis was in the first grade, attending Highmount Community School. As stated, her school was only 242 steps away from her front door. You can actually see the school from their home. Alexis was also a straight-A student, had perfect attendance, and absolutely loved school. One of her teachers described her as having a beautiful smile, and because of this, the other students always wanted to sit next to her. On the evening of Thursday, May 2nd, 2002, Ayana, Alexis, and her stepbrother, all three went to Jewel Osco, a local supermarket in the area, to pick up some cupcakes for Alexis and her classmates. It was Alexis's turn to bring snack for her classmates on that Friday. I also want to mention that back in 2002, there was a 15-second surveillance video released from the Jewel Osco that confirmed this whereabout. On this same evening, Alexis was supposed to complete her homework, as she did all the time. Ayana stressed the importance of an education, which obviously was shown in Alexis's schoolwork and perfect attendance. On the next morning, Friday, May 3, 2002, Alexis did not complete her work, so she was unable to take a snack, which were the cupcakes for her classmates. This was devastating to Alexis. She was noticeably upset. However, she did get ready for school and left home with her stepfather who walked her to school. I want to make a quick note to say that the rest of the accounts are vague and cannot be confirmed, which leads to the unsolved disappearance of Alexis. Okay, let's keep going. On this morning, Laron walked Alexis to school. According to Laron, in an interview he did in 2017, 
while he was imprisoned for drug-related charges with 620 WTMJ, a radio station in Wisconsin. He stated that it was not typical for him to walk Alexis to school. Alexis was still noticeably upset and crying, and LaRon claimed that he would bring her cupcakes later and for her to not worry about it. So please keep a mental note of this element in the case. This is a direct quote from LaRon. Quote, I usually don't walk her to school, but this time I did. End quote. Tell me about May 3rd, 2002, the day she disappeared. What do you remember about that day? Well, May 3rd, it was a... It was her snack day to go to school. Her mother took her the night before to get cupcakes so she can go to school and, and take her snack to school. But she hadn't done her homework, right? So, like, you can't take them. So she was, you know, a little upset, crying, you know what I mean? So I got her and my son dressed. I usually didn't walk her, you know what I'm saying, to school, but this time I did. I took her to the car and I told her, well, I'll bring your snacks a little later on, you know what I'm saying? Just be cool, don't, you know, don't let it bother you. But she was really upset. And then I gave a, I handed lessons to the cross guard. The cross guard walked her across the street and then walked her to the side of the school. And I watched her run to the playground. Then I went home. You know what I'm saying? And I was at home for the most part of the day. By the time it was time for Alexis to come home, she hadn't came home. So yeah, I was like, my baby ain't came home. I was like, well, they probably just kept her at the school. You know what I'm saying? Because she did something. Probably kept her at school. So she went over there for a few minutes, about 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes later. She came bust through the door. She was like, man, my baby ain't been to school all day. I'm like, you kidding? She ain't been there. She just broke down. I was like, what? And then it's, that was history. You know what I'm saying? Then we called the police. They came. You know what I'm saying? They came. They went to Stern Park. They looked around for her and never found her. And you know what I'm saying? So they didn't know how to really investigate it. They didn't have Amber Alert. They didn't have nothing. School ain't got no cameras on the outside to, to protect the kids. And they still don't. You know what I'm saying? Where they should. It, it, it was then the, the investigation just like turned towards us, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's been like that. And and to me, it's 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 it's, it's sad because it's like Lexington didn't really have a fighting chance because these people. <sighs> well, they never got off of that, you know what I'm saying? So the day that you took her to school, uh -huh. you walked her to the corner, right. and then you watched her walk the street with the cross guard right. to go into the school? Right, to go into the, the playground, because it wasn't quite school yet. They, the kids playing the playground before okay. school bell rang, so just going to the playground. So you saw her with the guard go into the playground? Uh, I'm not the only one, you know what I'm saying? The kids told the police that she was there, they seen her, you know, since she was on the playground. I'm not the only one. It's rough, man, because... To me, um, you know, Lexus didn't really have a fighting chance, man. You know what I'm saying? It was already it was eight hours that she was gone. You know what I'm saying? Then she could have been crossed half across the country by then. You know what I'm saying? And then it take them to the next Monday. It happened on Friday till Monday till they really started investigating. Explanation of the walk from home to school. To give you a clear visual of the walk to school for Alexis, it was leave out of the front door. Walk the half block. The crossing guard will safely direct the student across the street to the sidewalk. Walk a few more steps to lead to the school grounds to enter the gate. Then you walk to the front door of the school. The area where Highmount Community School is located, there are four streets with an intersection. And there is also an alley directly across the street to the right of the stop sign. I say this because if Alexis was kidnapped, there were several ways to leave the area quickly. I have included an image for you to look at 
to show how Alexis would have crossed near that stop sign, then walked towards the right to access the school grounds. From the same aforementioned interview, Laron stated that he walked her to the corner and told Alexis to, quote, be cool, don't let it bother you, end quote. And this direct statement is regarding her being upset about the cupcakes and that he will bring her cupcakes up to the school later. Handed Alexis to the crossing guard, the crossing guard walked her to the side of where the school is, the school ground. He then said he watched Alexis run to the playground. The playground is actually on the school grounds behind the gate. Laron then stated that he went home and was home most of the day. So my question is, why was Laron home most of the day and did not keep his promise by bringing Alexis's cupcakes to the school? At that point, no one knew Alexis was missing. Did Laron already know she was missing and that's why he decided to not bring the cupcakes as he promised to Alexis? As in he knew she did not make it to school. If he did take the cupcakes, that would have started the search sooner. This is another element I want you to keep a mental note of. After hearing Laron's interview, Sheriff David Clark, a veteran homicide investigator, his theory is that she was not dropped off at or near the school, and he believes Laron is involved, but he just can't prove it. Based on what you know, Sheriff, do you believe Laron Bourgeois, the boyfriend, may have been involved in what happened to Alexis Patterson? Sure. Can I prove it? No. I know how these things work. I know what I'm talking about here. So what's your theory on what may have happened to Alexis Patterson? Well, I, I, I indicated she, didn't, she wasn't dropped off at school. She was never at school. I don't care what the boyfriend's saying. She was never at school. He said he watched her walk into school. Does anybody think the seven-year-old is sly enough to, well, I'll walk in the door and then I'll watch him to leave and then I'll leave? You know, come on, give me a break. School dismissal. Alexis is usually home by 2.50 p.m., from what we've gathered from reports. At 2.55, Ayana grew concerned because Alexis did not arrive home. From that same interview that Laron did, he stated, quote, they may have kept her at the school because she may have did something, end quote. By 3 p.m., Ayana rushed frantically to Highmount Community School to locate Alexis. Around 10 or 15 minutes, according to Laron's account, Ayana said that the school mentioned that Alexis was marked absent and was not in school. Her teachers did not see Alexis in or near school grounds this day. I want to also note that there were no cameras at the school on the exterior of the building. Once the search was ensued, Alexis's classmates and teachers were interviewed. Some of the children stated that they saw Alexis on the playground before and after school that day. With children as young as they were, it is hard to know whether they were recounting a previous time of seeing Alexis from another day or the morning of May 3rd that she went missing. Some students reported a red and blue SUV in the area, and a blue van or car sped off fast. The actual events on the morning of May 3rd, 2002 are obscure. Don't talk to strangers, Alexis. Two weeks prior to her disappearance, parents at the school received a letter warning them about a man who was trying to abduct a boy. One week before Alexis's disappearance, teachers had seen her talking with a random lady outside of the school. Her mother spoke with her about not talking with strangers. Two days later, the same woman was seen outside the school trying to talk with Alexis again. Students later reported to police that there was a red truck parked outside of the school for about a week that it sat in the parking lot and that it did not pick up or drop off any student. 
The red truck was no longer seen again once Alexis was reported missing. The Amber Alert system was started a year later after Alexis Patterson's disappearance. So the search was limited to only locally. As stated, students, teachers, and both parents, Ayana and Laron, were both interviewed and given polygraph tests. I want to note that Ayana passed her test and Laron felt certain elements of his test regarding whether or not he has knowledge of Alexis's whereabouts. This is interesting because why did he fail those elements? Laron could not even confirm seeing Alexis walk into the school building. On May 11, 2002, the polygraph results were reported by James Burnett in an article which people were not pleased with, but it is a key element to the case. Though polygraph tests are inadmissible as evidence in Wisconsin, it is still worth knowing that piece of information and how it contributes to the case. Persons of Interest Kenya Campbell, Alexis's biological father, was a person of interest, but law enforcement quickly eliminated him because he was in jail for driving on a suspended license. During the search, three days after her disappearance, Milwaukee Chief of Police said he felt Alexis ran away due to the disagreement over the cupcakes that morning she went missing. Ayana quickly refuted that ideology, understandably, since Alexis was only seven years old. She would have had no way to get away and be gone this long. This could have been possible, but there is no way to support this claim since it has been stated that she did not show up for school, nor did any of the teachers see her that morning. There is not a public statement from the crossing guard on if Alexis was one of the students she walked across the street. It seems as if Alexis did not even make it to school grounds at all on May 3rd. Ten days later, on May 13th, Alexis's case was changed from a missing person to criminal investigation. It is not clear why the investigation was changed. Laurent does have a criminal history. Most notably, on October 28, 1994, he was the getaway driver for a bank robbery which resulted in a Glendale police officer, Ronald Hedbany, being shot and killed. Laron was granted immunity for his testimony. The Milwaukee Police Department did double down on Laron and Ayana, which is typical due to the start of the search from within the family. I can only assume that the case was transitioned to a criminal investigation because with Laurent's past and him being the last one to see Alexis. There was another person of interest. It was 22-year-old Brian T. Warner, a white supremacist. The staff of America's Black Holocaust Museum in Milwaukee had found a flyer glued to the front door. In part, the note asks, quote, Why should anyone care about Alexis Patterson? And that if black people think white people think anyone cares, they don't. End quote. This is just one of the many hate and racially charged calls and messages directed to the family in regards to Alexis's disappearance. Warner was prominently known as hating African Americans. He turned himself into the PD. Warner had multiple tattoos that further communicated his disdain for African Americans and the honoring of white supremacy. Unfortunately, no charges were brought on to him because his flyers were covered under the First Amendment for free speech. As previously mentioned, to raise awareness for Alexis, the Milwaukee PD released a 15-second surveillance video of Ayana, 
Alexis and her stepbrother at the Jewel Osco supermarket, showing Ayana buying the cupcakes for snack at Alexis's school the night before the morning she went missing. Media Coverage and Missing White Woman Syndrome Alexis did receive media coverage in her city in search efforts. For months, volunteers would search the city daily for Alexis. Utilizing canine units, they walked down paths and, and through buildings, searched Miller Park, and looked around local bodies of water. Then, Elizabeth Smart's missing person case took precedence nationwide. A white 14-year-old girl who was abducted from her bedroom on June 5th in Utah. Elizabeth received coverage within hours of the reporting of her disappearance. It took eight days for Alexis's story to attract attention outside of Milwaukee with a segment on America's Most Wanted. Unfortunately, all coverage for Alexis greatly reduced. With only 67 reports on Alexis and over 400 for Elizabeth, even down to the law enforcement response. There was an FBI reward for $250,000 for Elizabeth Smart, but only $10,000 for Alexis Patterson. This is typical in media coverage when it comes to reporting on missing black people or people of color. Black journalist Gwen Eiffel gave the phenomenon a name, Missing White Woman Syndrome. After the Lacey Peterson case, a pregnant California woman whose husband was later convicted of killing her, she gave it that name. And the Natalie Holloway case, a woman who disappeared on a class trip to Aruba. All cases, no matter the race, should be handled and given the same attention. And that's why we're here. Slowed progress. During this time, Ayana fell into a depression, understandably, due to the circumstances, all while caring for her infant child, born six months before Alexis went missing. Alexis and her family eventually moved to another home in Milwaukee in November of 2002. On April 15, 2003, Laron was charged with battery and disorderly conduct over allegations of abusing Ayana. In the criminal complaint, Patterson said Bourgeois had been selling drugs and, quote-unquote, pimping several other women. Laron and Ayana divorced in 2005. Even with multiple detectives on the case, leads vastly slowed down. 2016. Alexis found? In 2016, a man named Joshua Miller from Bryan, Ohio, had contacted the Milwaukee Police Department with claims that his ex-wife, Lisa, may be missing Alexis Patterson. Speak to the mother until there were three things that not just what everyone else could have. Anybody can have a scar under their eye and anybody can have a bump on their hand. But those two and the birthmark, and then you put pictures together, the resemblance... I don't know. Phone conversation. The Ohio man tells me he contacted police last month after discovering Alexis Patterson's picture on the internet. This was my chance to find out the truth and figure out who my ex-wife and her family really was that I had to take this chance. I've wanted to know for years. There were several interesting elements as to why he believed Lisa may be Alexis with one being that Lisa did not have a memory beyond age 10 and that things from Lisa's past did not add up. After Joshua spoke with Ayana directly, there were also some striking similarities between Alexis and Lisa, and one difference that was unexplainable. So let's go over the similarities. A bump on the left pinky finger, scar under the right eye, a matching birthmark, 
facial similarities age progressed. And also I want to note that there were other markings that were mentioned that did match but were not publicly released from Ayana. These markings had to be confirmed between Ayana and Joshua. And for the difference, the only difference, age. Senator Lena Taylor of Milwaukee saw the photo of Lisa and she stated that she immediately got chills. She too felt Lisa was Alexis and within 24 hours, law enforcement was in Bryan, Ohio to obtain DNA. Then a third party handled the DNA and shipped it via FedEx to Milwaukee. This brought concern to Ayana since there were so many hands involved in the DNA. Now I've seen the photos myself and I must say the photo of Lisa and Alexis does greatly resemble each other. A lot. The only thing? Age. Joshua and Lisa got married in 2009, which would have made her only 14 or 15 years old at the time of the marriage, if Lisa is, in fact, Alexis. It was also stated that Lisa is from Belize. She grew up in Belize and moved to the United States later in life. Reports state that Lisa also provided her passport, birth certificate, and other supporting documentation to further provide that she is, in fact, not missing Alexis Patterson. Joshua took his son to Milwaukee, in confidence, to meet Ayana. An individual DNA test was also taken between Ayana and Joshua's son, on their own, but the results of that test were never made public then, but as of recently, an interview that Ayana did with News Nation, she stated that the DNA test was a match that she had took. The DNA test that officials took said there was no match. For the test administered by officials, it was said that Lisa submitted her DNA and the Milwaukee Police Department used DNA from an old toothbrush that cannot be confirmed that the toothbrush was actually hers and was given to law enforcement 14 years ago in 2002 when Alexis had went missing. Ayana was concerned about the validity of the results of the test and did not understand why the PD could not use her own DNA for Alexis instead of a toothbrush, if that is even what they used. Even with the negative result DNA test that was administered through law enforcement by a third party, Ayana still believed Lisa was her daughter, Alexis. Others also felt strongly about this lead. The matching identifying marks, the facial features, and the strong connection that Ayana felt as a mother. She believed that was her daughter. The only thing that is unexplainable is the age difference. Alexis would be 27 today in 2022. And Lisa is 34 today. Could there be a chance that Lisa is Alexis Patterson? I think so. If you rely only on reports, there's no chance. Laron found dead. Laron Bourgeois, Alexis's stepfather, and his wife, Michelle Bourgeois, were both found deceased in their home by a relative. It was said that the cause of death was determined to be from a drug overdose. Bourgeois most recently spent four and a half years in state prison after pleading guilty to felony heroin dealing charges in 2009. Ayanna Patterson and Bourgeois were scheduled to appear in court via Zoom that following week for a child support hearing. This case has several moving parts to it with a lot of key elements that can make the case go many ways. At this point, we know Alexis did not make it into school and into class on that morning of May 3rd, 2002. 
That leaves a large window of opportunity when it comes to time. It was not protocol for the school to contact the parents or guardians of a student who did not attend school for a day. The standard protocol is when a student misses a second day in a row, the school would contact parents and guardians. And this is usually at the end of the day. I want to get into the main facts of the case that we know so that we can transition to theories in my opinion. The facts. Fact one. Ayana took her daughter Alexis shopping for cupcakes on the evening of May 2nd. I cannot confirm if the shopping trip was exclusively for cupcakes or for groceries, but the 15-second video footage released in 2002 did confirm, according to law enforcement, that the cupcakes were purchased for Alexis's snack day at school. The video showed Ayana pushing a grocery cart with Alexis and her stepbrother following nearby. The jacket Alexis is wearing in the video is the same she had on on Friday, May 3rd. Fact 2. Laurent mentioned in an interview that he usually does not walk her to school, but he did on May 3rd. Fact 3. A prior possible abduction was attempted at Highmount Community School. A letter went home to parents and guardians. Fact 4. Alexis was seen speaking to an unknown woman on or around school grounds a week before her disappearance, and again only days before her disappearance. Fact 5. After Alexis's disappearance, a strange red SUV or truck was no longer seen on the grounds. The red SUV was in the vicinity or on school grounds, but the SUV did not pick up or drop off a student. But after she disappeared... There were no further sightings of this red truck or SUV. Fact 6. Lisa has a strong resemblance to Alexis's picture as a child. Fact 7. Lisa has several identifying marks that matches Alexis. Some of the marks have not been public, and from Joshua and Ayana, they match. Fact 8. LaRon has a criminal past and history of drug abuse and dealing. Fact 9. The DNA taken from Lisa was not a match to Alexis, according to reports. However, in a recent interview with News Nation, Ayana said that the DNA she took was in fact a match through an individual test. I'm assuming that this was the test administered between Joshua's son and Ayana. I also included a clip of the interview so you can listen. In 2016, after receiving a tip from a journalist, Ayana says she's certain she found her daughter alive and well, living in the Midwest. She says she collected the young woman's DNA, and it was a match. But I'm her mother. I'm telling you this is my baby. She have eight of the same identifying marks, and she have four other marks that I didn't even say nothing about. Ayana and lastly, fact 10. Ayana submitted DNA the day before the news release that there was not a match between Lisa and Alexis. Ayana believes for them to obtain the results that fast, a toothbrush that was taken from her home back in 2002 that may or may not have been Alexis's was probably used. Because of this, Ayana does not believe the test was accurate. And for the theories. Theory 1. The primary theory in this case is that Alexis's stepfather, Laurent Bourgeois, was somehow involved in her disappearance. Former sheriff of the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Office, David Clark, believes Laurent was involved, but says the authorities haven't been able to prove it with the evidence they've uncovered. He feels that Alexis was never dropped off or 
dropped off near or at school grounds the morning she disappeared. A subsection of this theory is that Alexis's disappearance may be related to prostitution. There have been claims circulating that LaRon worked as a pimp and managed prostitutes on the north side of Milwaukee. However, nothing related to this has been publicly proven. LaRon has repeatedly denied any involvement in his stepdaughter's disappearance and says Sheriff Clark has no proof he was involved. Theory 2. There's a conspiracy theory that states the town of Bryan, Ohio is made up of missing children who don't know who they really are. It also shares that Ayana and Joshua know that his ex-wife is really Alexis, but both have been instructed to keep quiet. Those who believe in this theory say that quote-unquote big brother is behind many of the child disappearances that have occurred in the United States. Theory 3. A final proposed theory is that there could possibly be a drug connection to Alexis's disappearance. However, very little has been elaborated on about this. My opinion. The disappearance of Alexis Patterson has many depths to it. We can confirm that she didn't make it to school, and her mom did, in fact, buy cupcakes for her snack time at school, assuming there were plans to send her to school, at least from the night before. My first question is, why did LaRon walk Alexis to school on this day? After listening to the interview from LaRon, several things he said concerned me, with one being that he told Alexis to, quote, be cool and don't let it bother you. I will bring your cupcakes to the school later, end quote. She was visibly upset that she couldn't take the cupcakes due to her homework not being complete. Why wasn't Alexis's homework checked the previous night to ensure it was done? We know life happens, so that may not even be relevant. The thing that stuck out to me was, I will bring your cupcakes to school later. There are no reports saying that LaRon went to the school later to take her cupcakes as promised. In fact, he didn't even say he attempted to or took her cupcakes to school. Why? He said that he was home most of the day. It was not known Alexis was missing at all that day until around 3 p.m. when Ayana rushed to the school after Alexis did not come home at 2.50 p.m., her usual time. This makes me wonder, did LaRon know she was missing prior to it being known, let alone reported? I'm not sure what time snack time was, but he would have needed to go to the front office to take the cupcakes to the school to gain access to Alexis's classroom or an administrator would have delivered the cupcakes to Alexis's classroom. If he would have taken the cupcakes to the school, this would have prompted a missing person report of Alexis much sooner, with potential of finding her quicker or starting the investigation much earlier. If LaRon was involved, I can see how keeping his promise and taking her cupcakes to the school later would interfere with his plans on her kidnapping. After all, why would he take her cupcakes to the school knowing that she isn't there? On the other hand, who was the lady that Alexis was speaking to a week before her disappearance and then again days before her disappearance? This lets me know that someone was preying on Alexis or any random child for a possible abduction. Alexis was seen speaking to this unknown woman on two occasions. I wonder what the conversation was about and if the woman knew Laurent or Ayana. This person could have been watching Alexis prior to even speaking to her. This would allow the person or persons involved to learn her behaviors, mannerisms, her schedule, and routine. 
and the routine of the process of the intake of the children to enter Highmount. Highmount Community School is located in a central location in the middle of the neighborhood. The school is visible from multiple houses in the area and at various angles, and because there were no cameras, that factor alone made it possible for an abduction. Not many people would see a woman and it raised a red flag that she could be a predator seeking out a child to kidnap. My question is, who saw this woman talking to Alexis and what made it appear strange? We know that the teacher did inform Ayana about Alexis speaking to this unknown woman, but did the teacher actually see it or was it reported to the teacher from a student or someone else? In Laron's interview, can we take his word for what happened? If he has a history of drug use, could this affect his recollection of events that day? You have to think, because he was involved with drug abuse and possible pimping, an accusation made from Ayana, which led to his arrest, could someone had retaliated and kidnapped Alexis? That goes back to one of the public theories. This may be possible, but from the reports on teachers not seeing Alexis at all that day and no confirmation on the crossing guard seeing her, at least publicly, this means Alexis did not make it to the school ground and something happened before even reaching the school, right? We also have to look at the fact that there may be several children walking to school and the crossing guard may not remember every single face that she crosses across the crosswalk. However. If I were a crossing guard, just from muscle memory, I would remember who or have an idea of the children that cross over daily from one street to the street of the school. Because there are no public reports on the crossing guard confirming if she remembers Alexis, then I can only assume that she also did not see Alexis on Friday, May 3rd, 2002. Without a statement from the crossing guard that has been made public, this key element would change the trajectory because it would mean the crossing guard did see her. Alexis did make it to the school grounds and something happened there. But that's just not the case. Now, with claims that Lisa is the missing Alexis Patterson, this is a tough one because a mother knows her child. But could it just be a one in a million coincidence that they both have matching insignia? Sure, there's no doubt that Lisa does resemble Alexis. Age progressed. However, how do you explain the age difference? According to reports, Lisa was born in 1988 and Alexis was born in 1995. A seven-year age difference. My team and I performed our own soft skip trace on Lisa and her birth years listed as 1988, which is what's publicly on file on public records and that's what we have to work with. However, it shows only two home addresses for Lisa from 2012 to currently. Why isn't there any prior home addresses for her? This means that there is no public record of any other address of her existence prior to 2012, 10 years ago from today in 2022. According to an article for Habitat for Humanity, Lisa did live in California and graduated high school there, then relocated to Michigan. As for possible relatives, it only shows her married last name, which is from her ex-husband Joshua, but none with her birth name, which we don't know. This could mean none of her relatives are in the States, so it wouldn't show up in a skip trace for the U.S., or the rest of her family just aren't established here, or something else. 
Sure, according to Ayana, maybe she is Alexis with a falsified birth certificate, an entire false identity that could have changed after her kidnapping. But how could this go under radar for so long? I've seen articles with her photo and her children, with one showing Lisa at an event for immigrants that became U.S. citizens. If she is Alexis, she isn't hiding. When you look at these details, you do question if maybe it's all just a coincidence. Even right now, I'm unsure what to think. Sure, they do look alike, but on paper, it's not possible to be her. It's also strange that Joshua stated that what brought him to concern was that Lisa, his ex-wife, could not remember her childhood beyond age 10, and her past just did not add up. We don't know what Joshua meant when he stated that her past did not add up. What exactly didn't add up? What events led Joshua to believe that Lisa was not who she said she was? I also wonder what led him to Alexis Patterson. Out of all the missing people, Joshua ties Lisa to her. Was it something he came across or something that she said? I just wonder. I do believe these events were made known to Ayana from Joshua, but just not publicly. 2022. 20 years. Two decades. This year marks 20 years since Alexis disappeared. With years of tips coming in and still no answers, immediate searches began soon after the official missing person report was filed, DNA testing, and an investigation, and still no solid answers. I don't believe Ayana was involved. If Laron was involved, why? What did he do and how? If Laron was involved, there had to be someone else involved. What if Laurent was just not a part of this and simply being a person of interest due to his criminal past with being involved in the death of a police officer? From their front door to the school entrance, you have to walk the half block to the corner and cross over to the other side of the street. Once Alexis turned that corner, she would have been out of sight if Laurent actually did walk her to the corner then turn around, leaving an opportunity for a kidnapping. Maybe Laurent did walk her to the corner, but just did not watch her go into the school or run to the playground as he stated. I would imagine that there were several kids out walking, cars and adults, which would make it difficult to do something like this in broad daylight. Could it be a totally isolated event where it was a planned kidnapping from someone else who preyed on Alexis, learned her routine and found a perfect moment of opportunity? Could Lisa be Alexis, even with the seven-year age difference, as reports say? Where is the witness statement from the crossing guard? One thing is for sure, Alexis did not walk into school on the morning of Friday, May 3rd, 2002. And the last to walk out of the door with her was her stepfather, Laurent Bourgeois. The Aftermath Ayana believes Alexis is still alive and continues to celebrate her daughter's birthday each year. Kenya has shared that he mourns the loss of his daughter. The plot of land where Alexis lived is now in a vacant lot. As a result of Alexis's disappearance, Ayana has been a lot more protective of her children. She rarely lets them out of her sight, choosing to drive them to and from school, 
instead of having them take the school bus or walk. Ayana has shared that the media attention became overwhelming during the early parts of the investigation and that sometimes the public were cruel towards her and her family. Despite this, she kept doing interviews, speaking with politicians, and raising awareness about her daughter's disappearance. She has also went to the state capitol in Madison, Wisconsin, and to Washington, D.C., in support of Alexis. Each year, a wreath is laid at Highmount Community School in Alexis's honor. Public officials walked the route she would often take to school before saying a prayer in her remembrance. Every year since 2012, longtime Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett has recognized May 3rd as Alexis Patterson Forget-Me-Not Day. Before he left office to become the U.S. Ambassador to Luxembourg last year, Barrett signed the proclamation for 2022. Alexis was described at the time as 3 feet 8 inches tall, and weighing 42 pounds. She was last seen wearing a red hooded jacket with a gray stripe down the sleeve and had her hair in two French braids pulled back into a ponytail. She was carrying a pink Barbie doll book bag and was wearing white Nike high top tennis shoes, a purple blouse, and jeans. And according to police, cluster type diamond yellow gold post earrings that resemble sunflowers. What do you think happened to Alexis Patterson on the morning of May 3rd, 2002? This is another case that could have been solved, but time was lost. Had her mom known that her daughter did not attend school earlier in the day, but due to protocol back then, this made that impossible. It really could have transformed this whole entire investigation. Or even if Highmount had exterior cameras, it could have offered answers. But it was 2002 a different day and age. Cameras were a thing, but not as they are today where everyone has an exterior camera or doorbell camera. And there really isn't anywhere you can go that doesn't have them. Instead, hours went by. In time, 20 years later, we still don't have answers. I can't say for sure or to be certain, but a child or Alexis was targeted. Someone was going to be abducted from Highmount Community School. A strange van, an unknown woman talking to Alexis. There was intent, and that intent may have been to kidnap a child. One thing that I want to know is why didn't LaRon keep his promise to take her cupcakes to her school? Until people start talking and share what they know about Alexis's disappearance, this case will remain open unsolved, and very cold. If you have any information or leads on the disappearance of Alexis Patterson, please direct them to the Milwaukee Sheriff's Office at 414-278-4788. You can also contact the Milwaukee Police Department Cold Case Hotline, and that number is 414-935-1212. Another number is Milwaukee Field Office of the FBI. And that number is 414-276-4684. I want to thank you for your viewership of Alexis's disappearance. 
I ask you to please share so we can all help bring Alexis home to her family. Ayana Patterson and her family are still in search for her, awaiting her return and looking for any answers on what happened on May 3rd. And so are we. Please be safe, be mindful of your surroundings, and may God bless and keep you all. That's when I would accept it. But right now, I'm not accepting it because she's too much like me. How does she have the same mold right here that I have, that my daughters have, and her granddaughter, and her daughter have? She has the same birthmark as Alexis had when Alexis was, was first born. She has the same mark on her eye, the right eye, when my daughter had, okay? She has the same bump, and she has the same mold on her nose right here, too. We're too much alike for this not to be my child. I worry about my daughter every day. I've been worried about my baby for 14 years. You understand? And then now that I finally got a, a nice... But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. James 1.6 You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.